lose everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It is all sports. Jake Lee, your host, as always. Uh, hopefully, some of you are coming through my guest, So, because usually I say, you know, try to follow my guest, and I definitely want you to. We're going to get to him in a second. But in case any of you, or hopefully some new people that were following him and didn't know about me, because I feel like some people should know this person before they know me, even though a lot of people don't. But you'll, you understand what I'm getting at. In any case, before we get all of that, theathletic.com slash the name of the show. No, don't put it in the name of the show. It's slash all in sports. You get 40% off the entire season. So you can get all the podcasts, all the rankings, all the waiver columns, all the advice, all the other sports and great writers that are award winning that aren't even myself. If you want to cover your teams or find your teams and all that type of stuff. So make sure you're checking that out. But why I said today's guest is because it's not just fantasy football. It's not just fantasy basketball, which he does as well. When it comes to fantasy baseball, and anybody ever asked me about prospects, see, I don't have the time to go that deep. And even if I did, I'm not sure I want to. But if there's one person that like I always refer to and I trust more than anybody else, because he's also out there already scouting people in the Arizona Fall League. Well, not even Arizona Fall League yet, but just Arizona in general, because you're out there and I see your pictures. It's Chris Welsh at Is It the Welsh? He's out there. He knows these guys before you do, and one of the best in the business. Again, also for fantasy football, which we're talking about today, but there's there's a reason you should be following him when it comes to fantasy baseball before me. Jake. You're too kind. You're too, I like how it started because it was almost like, yeah, people probably know him. I mean, they maybe don't know him. Most likely don't, but if you do, <laughs> they maybe can find me, and then it turned into like a really, really good compliment. You're too kind. And by the way, how come I was hanging out with all of your athletic friends except for you in the Arizona Folly a couple weeks ago. Uh, DVR was out here. Uh, I was uh, chopping it up with Eno, and there's just no Jake out here. Yeah, because I'm in the middle of fantasy football, and despite working 80-plus <laughs> hours a week, people are like, can you also do a weekly column on this? <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously, guys, I, I love you, and I appreciate the love that you want me to do more, but... I, I am one human being, unfortunately. <laughs> it's definitely a problem. It's something I've been dealing with. You and I were talking off air, and I've talked with people. Like, I do a lot. I'm very—sometimes I'll, you know, um, soft-handedly tell people, like, I'm super overextended or I'm overexposed. I do a lot of stuff, but my hands are in so many different things. And I feel like the the marker where you are so overworked that you don't possibly know how you could do one more thing is— <laughs> the point where you're like, oh, I have some establishment in this industry because you have to get to the point where you have a mental breakdown with the amount of work that you do. You do it on two sports side. I do it on three. And, you know, we can barely uh, comprehend what day it is. But look at us. We're here podcasting together. <laughs> I am. You want to take a guess? So the comments that I get on my articles every single week and I answer, I'd say 99 percent of them because I try to get to everybody because, hey, you subscribe and I appreciate you. Since what do you the not football answer? Uh, basically if they say, should I start blank or blank? And it's on the <laughs> rankings page, which I had today. Somebody said, should I start Dorsett? Uh, no, just not Dorsett. Uh, who was it? Jacoby Brissett or Carson Wentz on the rankings column. Now this wasn't even a positional one where it's half point or full point BBR or a flex running back versus wide receiver. Just straight up. Should I start quarterback versus quarterback? And so I did actually respond to that one for a change. I actually said, if only there were a page that you were on that had rankings for week eight that answered <laughs> such questions as in who should I start at quarterback? So case, but 99%, most of the time, if anybody asks, just straight up rankings. Those are the ones I skip past. Also because I also am only one human, but I, I presented all that to you since August because I consider that fantasy football season. Since August, do you want to guess how many comments I've made? Because they've all been in response to somebody else. How many comments I've, I guess I should say, oh. answered? Man, I would have to say, I don't want to even give like an arbit. I'm going to say 575. <laughs> All right. I thought you were going to like way overblow it there for a second, uh, just as a joke. No, um, you need to, let's see, how many times more do I have to go than that? You have to, four, about. 25 times more than that. It's what? in the five digits. It's in the five what? digits. We'll put it that way. I'm, I'm, I'm turning into little John. What? Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, well, I over, can't do math. Am I 10,000? 
Over 10,000 already. Oh, give me a break. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. The waivers has about three to 400 per week. The article, the rankings have about four to 500 per week. I do a chat every single week, which has 500 plus every single week. And then the APA matchup column has 200 plus a week. So there you go right there. There's your simple math. But, but see, a thousand but a week. But you're important. Like you're super important. You have lots of followers. Like I'm not important. Like I'm in lots of places. So people but you should be. But well, maybe. I mean, that's really nice of you. I'm inundated. But like I still have the wherewithal to like see people who tweet me a lot and recognize them and get to the point where like I, I'm still annoyed when someone asks me a question, I answer it and they're like, really? Are you sure? And it's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm <laughs> not important enough to still be annoyed by stuff like that. 10,000. I don't know, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's why you're at the athletic, buddy. I don't know. I don't think that. And I hope, I hope people out there understand why I get a little bit uh, salty and whatever you want to call it, uh, ornery or all in heel or whatever word you want to use when it comes to some of the comments, especially if you're asking me something that's in there. But yeah, but that's your bit. We're not here to... Yeah, well, that's also part of it too. So, but we're not here to complain about the commenters because I oh, do love not, all no. you guys. No, no, because the fact that there's that many just tells you the appreciation that's out there. So I appreciate the appreciation. So there you go. Well, I thank so, you for. Uh, I'm glad that you had me on, and thank you for the nice introduction. If because if people this is a football episode we're going to talk about, but if people are into the baseball stuff, I have been doing a lot of content. Arizona Fall League. You were right. Uh, Arizona just has so much like baseball content out here. But the Arizona Fall League was just here, and I've been going like crazy with prospects. So if people are into that, yeah. uh, this week I do I do so many podcasts, but I have a show that's just me. It's a Prospect One, and I've got a one-on-one with Joe Adele. You know, so people know Joe Adele, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. I've been interviewing a ton of dudes, Alec Baum, Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick. But I got a one-on-one, so it's like 15 minutes with me and Joe Adele, so it's pretty cool. So if you guys are yeah. into that stuff— um, you know, be on the lookout for it. I'll tweet it. You can, you know, find me on Twitter. But yeah, thank you for the nice uh, baseball compliment, friendo. Yeah, uh, if for people that don't know, like Joe Adele, if you're talking about last year's NFL draft, I mean, we're talking like AJ Brown. Uh, oh, you're Josh talking like Jacobs. David Montgomery. You're talking like Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery. No, no, type. no, no yeah. don't say David Montgomery. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, okay. I mean, you're, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Joe Adele, Dave Montgomery would be like, uh, who who would ruin him? Put him on the Mets. There you go. Oh, be are you are you that done with David Montgomery? Uh, I am that done with the, Matt Nagy. Yes. Okay, so let me ask you this: Are you, are are you, you not? No, I, I mean, I'll put it this way. Let me turn it to you. I've told people now because so this week's ranking article, every single ranking article has like usually a couple paragraph intro and like advice. One week was about weather. One week was about trades. As other like lineups, league settings, but this week was about the sunk cost fallacy, and especially when it comes to fantasy. There's all these people like, well, I spent a third rounder on him. I just see the upside, and I just hope that you know. I know as soon as I drop him, blah 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 is going to happen. And the reason I brought it up is because I was talking about Damian Williams. I was like, at this point, he's a sunk cost. He can't even out snap Daryl Williams at this point. Yeah, so right. what are you holding on to? You can't even start him after one good game. What like LeSean McCoy has to get hurt. So what are you holding on for Damian Williams for? If there's help, I'm not telling you just to drop Damian Williams for the sake of dropping him because I also hate that question. Should I drop Damian Williams? And that's the end of the question. I don't know. I don't know what the rest of your roster looks like. I don't know what's on waivers. Give me some context. But I say that because, and this is why I'm turning it back to you. If David Montgomery, my point was, a lot of these people are in ten team leagues still. People are like, should I drop David Montgomery to pick up Ty Johnson? And I say yes because. I don't want to drop David Montgomery. Somebody else is going to pick him up, and something could eventually happen where Nagy gets his head out of you know where, and everything is fixed, and David Montgomery's now an RB2. All that being said is if there's immediate help, if you Ty Johnson's out there, if you need a wide receiver, and Deshaun Hamilton or A.J. Brown or Corey Davis or Kenny Stills is out there, he's at the point now where what are you holding on to him for because he's sitting on your bench? Yeah, I mean, the the the, the problem is, is you know, when you look at rookies, there's also, I, I think, a, a common... It's funny because you were saying a bunch of those things that we tell ourselves, and I would totally tell myself, like, oh, you know, we're coming to the, you know, the back end. As soon as I drop him, it's going to happen. Those are totally, like, you know, the stupid things you have in the back of your head. There is something to rookie running backs on the back half, especially if they weren't used a ton in the beginning, because there's there's one side, if you have a rookie running back that might not be used to the rigors of 16 games or where they can wear out. Someone like, if you wanted to create that narrative around Josh Jacobs, maybe you could do that, where if, you know, heavy usage through the first part of the season, maybe the fantasy playoffs, he kind of tapers down a little bit in a redraft format. David Montgomery, on the other end, I mean, he's only had one game where he's had 20 carries. Otherwise, he's, I mean, I think he's averaging like 
13 carries a game, and it's been super ineffective. I think there is something to say that on the back half of the year that they're going to want to establish more of a running game, but I think that's more narrative-based because the Bears have shown us absolutely no ability to effectively run the ball. And David Montgomery, they just keep moving away from, and uh, they don't even know how to use it correctly with Tariq Cohen. The rest of the back half of the year, if you look at some of the matchups, there's some okay ones. i got two games against Detroit in the fantasy playoffs. You do have Green Bay and Dallas, which isn't ideal, but the fantasy championship, Kansas City. I'd love to hold on, and I I could see myself telling myself the narrative of, like, as soon as I drop him, you know, he's going to go <laughs> off. Just... But in a 10-team league, I don't even see what we're holding on for. I well, was even 12-team... The, the here I'll give you the perfect example. Somebody this has happened with a player this season, but it only just happened and it just happened because of a quarterback change, and that's Corey Davis. Corey Davis two weeks ago was sunk cost. Yeah. He was. It was move on. There's no point of it anymore. What I know we can always hope for the talent. He was turning into the Devontae Parkers and the Kevin Whites of the world. But the quarterback change happened. But Corey Davis is one out of like twenty. I mean, we could go down the list of all the players that people were dropping in weeks two, three, four, five, and then have been dropped ad nauseum at this point because they aren't that's that's more common and more common is the fact that the more likely scenario for Damian Williams and David Montgomery is that their bench options the rest of the season it's more rare for things like because David Montgomery needs one of two things to happen either Tariq Cohen gets hurt and they're forced to go to David Montgomery 20 times a game or I said the other one is Matt Nagy gets out of his own head but you know he comes out and says I'm calling the plays again this week and he says two times this is the second time this past week he's come out and said we need to run the ball more i don't understand what happened you are calling in the plays you said this four weeks ago that you've never seen a run game like that you are in control matt nagy has to be i i, I don't what's one the, of the stu- on one the of si- the dumber things a coach could ever say is like i don't know what happened we gotta run the ball more no, you're the you know coach. who matt nagy is you know who matt nagy is he's ralph wiggum running a football team <laughs> Everybody, I don't even know what is joking. Um, the the idea that a head coach can step in and be like, "We've got to run the ball more," and I just don't know what's happening. It's just like you're driving on a freeway and then you're in an embankment and you've crashed. And you're like, "I don't know what happened." How do you not know what happened? You were driving a car. You know what happened. You steered it in or you moved out of traffic. It's just it's stupid diversion stuff. But let me ask you on the sunk cost thing. Because it yes. is interesting because I'm looking at Corey Davis and obviously, you know, a guy like Corey Davis was easily cuttable through the first four weeks. Titans atrocious in the pass game. And then as soon as Ryan Tannehill comes in, he had his most targets, most receptions, second most yards he's had all season. And Tannehill obviously is moving the ball a little bit better. But do you think sunken cost is, how do I want to say this? Do you think it's easier to recoup from sunken cost with wide receivers because there's such an influx yes. of guys than it is running backs. And that's why this idea of the sunken cost and the hold is so much deeper on running backs because Corey Davis, you could have cut and picked up Alex, Alex Erickson, and you could have just, you know, continuously moved through different receivers, Kenny stills. And you can just almost stream at this point with the amount of guys that are going through. So it's easier to cut these players We're running backs. Yes, there is that, that sunken cost thing you're talking about, but being able to recoup and get a guy that is um, that has the upside at that position is nowhere remotely close to uh, what right wide receivers are. Because you said you would cut David Montgomery for Ty Johnson in a heartbeat. I'm not so sure about that, man. Like it, they want to have a full-on committee. The Detroit Lions haven't been good in the running game. What makes us think they that want Ty... to? But they haven't. Here's the good thing: were they, they nagging? Oh, how do we get not better? They, they, the Lions promoted Paul Perkins, so I'm just gonna like, well, then, <laughs> well, good. I feel you. <laughs> exactly. It's all over now. They, they didn't sign anybody, so that's what makes me feel good about Ty Johnson because they, they, I'm gonna say something I said on my podcast for the Athletic, and this was with Chris and Brad, and we were talking about the same thing. And I said, you know, there's the counter argument of how do you feel good about Ty Johnson with what you just said? Carryon Johnson was a low end RB too. Like if Carryon Johnson wasn't doing it, what makes you think Ty Johnson will do it? And I don't think that Ty Johnson is a better running back than Carryon Johnson. I think similar to the Bears, the hand has now been forced. Now, maybe Paul Perkins gets eight, nine touches, and then obviously this is completely wrong. But I would say this is the comparison. It's like if you took Ty Johnson out of the equation and Carryon was still healthy, I think Carryon would be a mid-level RB2 because he only has to deal with J.D. McKissick, who is going to be involved. He's like, McKissick's not going away. But Ty Johnson steps into, I don't see Paul Perkins 
getting the Ty Johnson workload. I see Ty Johnson getting the carry-on workload and possibly even a little bit more. So that's why I say Dave Montgomery. Because Dave Montgomery, if he was getting the same workload as Ty Johnson, the same back, like, sideways, whatever, sideways isn't the right word. I don't know. I'm having a brain fart. I'm on cold medicine. Leave me alone. So anyway, if they were both getting the exact same workload, I would take Dave Montgomery every single time, even with the misuse. But Montgomery is getting it. I mean, uh, take away this last week where he had two carries. He's getting the, the workload of 11 to, let's call it 11 to 14, 11 to 15 carries a game. The the Bears are just way more inefficient. The Lions, if they're having a straight 50-50 between Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick, they're going to probably end up riding the hot hand. And I don't think this is a team that's going to be able to establish the yeah, run a whole bunch. We had, what, 16, 20, 20 something for carry on Johnson? Like last week against Minnesota was the first week where, and he got hurt. It was the first week where he really didn't have. And what was it, at least I would say I think his floor is 15 this year, if I'm not mistaken. That's the thing is like his floor is 15 touches. Maybe it was 14. It's somewhere right around there. And that's why that's where the difference comes between me and David Montgomery. Yeah, I mean, I'm not boy. I'm not trying to sit on here and make this big argument for David Montgomery. David Montgomery. For, yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's not what I want. David Montgomery truther. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not that guy, even though I think he's a super talented back. And I think the Bears, the Bears are um they're they're really lost in what the offensive plan should be. You know, you were speaking before if like Nagy got his you know what out of the you know where that you know maybe the team could be more efficient. But it almost feels like what they I mean, need. We can say I, mean, I just put pork chop sandwiches in there afterwards, and I can say his head out of his pork chop sandwiches. You know, oh, and then you have pork chop sandwiches. Pork chop okay. sandwiches. Is it? Well, if he could get his head out of his <laughs> pork chop sandwiches. But what, here's what it could be as well. It could be if the team, their hand was forced by, like, Allen Robinson not being there. Allen Robinson is amazing right now, and he looks great in this offense, and he is the backbone. If they weren't there and they were forced to reestablish the run, maybe David Montgomery would go. But here, again, not making—I don't want to be a truther to David Montgomery. It's more of— I understand why we had to drop our fab on a guy like Ty Johnson this week because all of a sudden we were we were given this spot where Karrion Johnson is going to be out for a significant amount of time and there are two backs in De- in Detroit which I think there's a possibility. I think our boy Nando had was the first one to kind of point this out on the internet where he said I have this bad feeling about Ty Johnson where JD McKissick is out there. You know, he's more of that proven commodity. I think You've gone from a spot where they have one back they run with 20-plus times, efficient or not, to a spot where they have two serviceable backs that they're going to play 50-50 with, potentially right a hot hand, and if not, they're going to throw the ball to Marvin Jones, they're going to go to Danny Amendola and Kenny Galladay, and they're going to— So we're going back to the old Lions? Old Lions are going to be reestablished unless they go and they go and trade for, like, let's say, a Kenyon Drake. I don't think Ty Johnson is the answer. I wouldn't have spent a whole bunch of fab on him, and frankly— I'd be interested in p- picking up McKissick right now, but I don't feel good about any of these guys, and that's why I wouldn't drop a commodity like Montgomery for a player like Ty Johnson, even in a 10-man. Well, again, if I need to win now, I am, because I'm not waiting for Montgomery. That's a good point. That, that's, and that's what it comes down to. You don't want to start either look, one of those. Like, What's the situation where you're starting either one of those guys? Well, no, no, so this is where I'll agree with you, is the fact that if, if, it's just a, if I'm picking up David, or Ty Johnson, and all he's doing is David Johnson, <laughs> if I'm picking up Ty Johnson, he's just sitting on my bench, then no, I hold the Montgomery on my bench. So, so, the, so you're talking that, desperation play. You lost on Johnson. You have no backup plan. That's where I'm you're going to go aggressive. I'm talking starting this week. If you're starting next week and you need someone in your lineup right now, no. in your lineup, I'll put Ty Johnson, especially for this week specifically when you're talking about facing the Giants. Lions have I mean, rushed for uh, over 100 yards twice this season, and it was week one against the Cardinals. And then who? Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, otherwise they just they're not. And, efficient. And who do they have this week? New York Giants. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's, I guess that's fair. That's a fair point. But that's this is a passing game. This is a game where Marvin Jones and Kenny no, Galladay. This is one of the few games you're going to see the Lions going to put up thirty plus points. This is going to be. And you know, McKissick. By the way, here, here's what I'll say. You already know Ty Johnson's will get like fifteen carries. McKissick will get eight, but McKissick will be the goal line back, and it'll just everyone will be pissed no. off. <laughs> Patricia's insane if he's doing that. It'll be it'll be that. a mustard uh, breeda situation where everyone's like, oh yeah, we got to go breed a Ty Johnson, no, and all of a sudden, no, you just that's what you that was the Jeff Wilson situation. Yeah, that's Jeff what Wilson, that's be. what I it's meant. Gonna, yeah. It's gonna be McKissick in the passing game like Breida. It's gonna be Tevin Coleman as Ty Johnson, and then you're Paul gonna get Perkins. Jeff Wilson. Who, Paul Perkins is gonna steal the <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> That's I'm funny. This podcast because I'm gonna reference it when everybody's losing their mind on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Save, right. the, save the clips. So, speaking of, hey, how about a transition here? I wasn't even planning for this. Speaking of losing their mind, I was losing my mind 
in a good way because you know what happened yesterday with the trade. It's Bayshon time. Oh my God. Deshaun Hamilton has been freed, Chris. He is freed. He is in the starting lineup. He is playing the Emmanuel Sanders role, which is the better role for me with Joe Flacco. I love Cortland Sutton just as much as I love Bayshon Hamilton, but everybody knows I love Bayshon Hamilton, mostly because if anybody doesn't know, it's not just the fact of like being somebody who was on him coming out of college, but he is the reason I won that league where you had kickers and I left it empty the entire year. So he got bonus points for that. But I want to bring Sanders into this conversation as well. 49ers and Broncos. We'll do Broncos first because we are talking about Deshaun Hamilton. Where is Deshaun Hamilton? And maybe I'm slanted in my opinion of Deshaun Hamilton. But once this trade happened, initially in my – so for my waivers, I always do 60% or fewer. Like you can't be over 60% owned. So Corey Davis did check in there. But Corey Davis was in, hey, I've already tried to tell you by now, if you didn't pick up Corey Davis, it's probably too late in your league. Like 55% is whatever. But initially, I had A.J. Brown as the top pickup because Ryan Tannehill is apparently the savior. When this news broke, I put Deshaun Hamilton as the number one wide receiver that's under 60% owned because he is starting. Tim Patrick's not back till week 10. There's nothing behind him. It's Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton. The time is now. I mean, it's funny because you're taking the you're taking the opposite ink. You know, I'm a 49ers fan, six and zero right now. I'm a diehard 49ers oh, fan. Not, well, we'll get to the 49ers too. We're, we're going to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, the no, Sanders piece. I'm not saying necessarily versus Sanders, but you can bring him into the mix if you want. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm totally. I mean, I know you're crazy, Deshaun Hamilton. I've always been a Cortland Sutton guy. Cortland Sutton has been my guy, and he had already taken that role over. But are are you are you team Deshaun Hamilton because opportunity is going to be better, or are you playing it because hey, we're taking away the targets, and now Hamilton's going to get them? But the targets weren't really there. I think he had to come. Um, Amanda Sanders had a combined. 10 targets over the last three games, weeks five, six, and seven. He had two really good shining weeks against Jacksonville and Chicago, where he was nine targets and 13 targets. But I mean, Manuel Sanders hadn't been really a force with Denver's offense, and Denver's offense is not close to being a force. Joe Flacco looks bad. Cortland Sutton is clearly the guy. I think there's going to be opportunity out there with Deshaun, but you know. I'd make an argument that I think I might like Kenny Stills a little bit more over him. Maybe not full season long, but for a short stretch, I would have gone Corey Sanders over Deshaun. I'm just not as crazy Deshaun as you are. You're just mixing everybody. Oh, you're putting all like the wide receivers together. You're just Voltroning the wide I receiver say? over what here. What did I say? You said you said Corey Sanders. Did I so say I guess that's, Corey Davis. I guess that's Corey Davis, <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders. Like like I said, you just Voltroned a wide receiver. Of course, I would take a Voltron wide receiver. Come on, it's Bumblebee. No. I'm not. I'm not on cold medicine, by the way. No, no, so here's the counter-argument. It's those two games against the Chargers and the Titans. Sanders wasn't 100%. He had a little blip in there. I mean, yeah. before that, it was, I mean, we're talking 7, 13, 4, 9, and 6 for targets outside those two games. And I'm not throwing out those two games to say, you know, whatever. But if you're telling me also, let's even include the Green Bay game. When, and I think at that point, Green Bay was still playing good pass defense, which has just completely gone out the window since then. But even if you include that, I mean, we're talking about 86, 98, 10, 104. 10 is the... Packers game in 60. I mean, even if you want to throw in the dud zero against the Titans, again, is say that, you know, he will, he was supposed to be healthy for that game, had three targets. Look, it's not going to be a wide receiver two. I'm not saying that. Okay. I have Cortland Sutton as the wide receiver two, but I have him as a top 40 wide receiver the rest of the way. And let's bring in your boy because I don't know. I, I think if forced to take one of the two, I would take Sanders barely just because he is the definitive number one. But I don't feel that much better about the 49ers passing game where everybody's involved. And Jer- Jeremy Garoppolo, you want to talk about a run-first offense that doesn't even throw the ball. I would take them, but I would put them probably within about five spots of each other the rest of the way. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I, I was tweeting about this after Never. the— of course not. How could Jake be wrong? Um, the, the wide receiver situation in San Francisco is super frustrating to me. I was a big Debo Samuel guy this year, one of the cleaner route runners, uh, not big on Marquise Goodwin, didn't fall into the Dante Pettis hype, even though he's got kind of like a playmaking, breaking ability. But San Francisco has found so much success in the running game that they, they haven't even found a necessity to it. They're like a, uh, a less efficient Minnesota Vikings, but their Adam Thielen is George Kittle. They don't throw to the wide receivers, and it's almost like played out at this point. I think George Kittle, I'd have to count this up here, 
George Kittle alone might have more receptions than every single wide receiver on the San Francisco 49ers offense. It's close. Combined. Yeah, because Debo's <laughs> got 15. Goodwin's got 11, so that's 26. You've got Bourne with 9. So, yeah, we're right about there. So, I mean, you take any three wide receivers, and George Kittle has more receivers, uh, more receptions combined than those guys. The only hope would be, though— is a guy like Emmanuel Sanders is going to be able to open up the field, which could be a positive for George Kittle. I think, and I and I don't have, I don't know this as a is a, a fact or anything like that, but I think part of the run game is not just efficiency, but I think there's a necessity to it. Jimmy Garoppolo is not as good as people think he is, and I'm just coming from a 49ers fan. He was rough to watch. <laughs> the game against the Steelers was disgusting. For shame. The first couple of weeks was disgusting. He's not as good as we think he is, and it, I kind of a little bit more than maybe most people believe that he might be one of the classic like Alex Smith type of quarterbacks. You know, he's efficient. Don't put him in situations where he has to make crazy big plays, but if you get him in the right scheme, he's going to be efficient for you. With that, I don't think they've had the proper weapons to utilize him whatsoever. So if you bring in Emmanuel Sanders and you can open up the field a little bit more, he might be able to get the ball out. You might be able to get Dante Pettis on some bigger plays. You might be able to get George Kittle going. I think they're going to attempt to pass a little bit more. I think it's obvious when you go and trade for him, but I don't think this is a crazy boost. Emmanuel Sanders is probably at best a wide receiver three in fantasy, but I'll take him over uh, Bashan. By how much? Um, Same margin? Within five spots? I would say ten spots. I would say probably within the the difference between a wide receiver three and a four. wide receiver four. Like they're they're <laughs> okay, in a well, tier different. Fair. Here's certainly fair because I said rest of the season I have Deshaun Hamilton as a top forty wide receiver. Yeah, and, I, and uh, I'm saying like maybe of, like thirty, you know, between thirty and thirty six is Emmanuel Sanders. And I was and, about to say thirty and thirty five is Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Let's, yeah, yeah, look come at us. together on this. Yeah, we got that. come together. It's like that uh, Paul right Rudd thing. Now. Like, hey. Look at us. Look at us, Jake. Look at us. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, that's what I need. I need. Have you watched the new show, Paul Rudd? I I, the, I watched the with myself? entire thing in one night. I got wow. obsessed. Yeah, How I many got, episodes are there? There's eight, but they're only 26 oh, okay. minutes. And, yeah, and I started really early, and I watched one. It was It's called Living With Yourself, and yeah, I, watched I watched one. The first episode. Oh, okay, yeah, and I was like, oh, this is really good. And then it just, you know, two in the morning. Did you know that? Did you know people took the Tom Brady cameo as like a shot at Bill or Bob Kraft? Yeah, well, because what they did, yeah, if people don't know, there's this scene. It's like this shoddy little like um, strip mall. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Well, no, no, I'm just I'm not going to say anything important. I'm saying there's a strip mall that Paul Rudd goes to to this like, you know, this little parlor. But in the show, what happened was they put a huge green screen over the um the strip mall. So when Tom Brady was recording the show, like he didn't know there was like some little parlor or anything like that. He he literally oh. walked out of a big green screen <laughs> and that was how they filmed the whole thing. And then after the fact, that's where this all came from. So Tom Brady didn't even understand like, what are you guys freaking out about? I recorded in front of a green screen and then it turned <laughs> into this whole really thing. really funny. Yeah. yeah that's really, really funny. Oh my gosh. You gotta, yeah, definitely at least go watch the first episode for context and then you're probably going to get hooked. Like yeah, I, I want to go show. back, but my, my problem was I started it on Sunday night during Sunday night football as well. So basically I'm not going to have any, but what about Watchmen? Did you watch Watchmen? I don't have HBO. I don't either. I got, I got Scott Bogman. Jake? No. I got Scott Bogman. Log in. You just put that out to the interwebs to everybody to know. They're stealing internet stuff. I I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't do that. I don't do that at all. There's going to be a lot of pork chop sandwiches right there. (laughs) 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 Let's talk about the Cardinals out by you. Let's not. So, bad news, as I joked on Twitter, this is fine.gif, is not only did the Cardinals sign Alfred Morris, they signed Zach Zenner, too, after being cast off from the Saints, which makes it sound like Alvin Kamara is fine, but that's not what we're talking about. We have to—I I think any intelligent person at this point would assume this is bad news for David Johnson's outlook for this week at least, if not going forward. What are you doing if you're a David Johnson owner? I guess on both sides. Would you go try to buy low if you're a one-loss team and you could just stash David Johnson knowing the upside? Or are you completely out? And if you are David Johnson owner, taking whatever the hell you can get, even selling low, because what if this turns into Todd Gurley and he's nothing for the rest of the year? Yeah, I've had major questions. Anyone that's listened to the In This League uh, football podcast with Bogman and I have known, 
I've been like really railing on David Johnson and, and it hasn't even necessarily been fair because he's piecemealed, you know, what was it a hundred yards for like five straight weeks or six straight weeks. Like he was finding his hundred yards everywhere. My problem has been so his he, body is piecemealed. <laughs> well, he, he, first off, he doesn't look right. He hasn't, he, I don't know if he got more upright. He just looks stiffer to me. Um, the athleticism from his first two years just doesn't seem like it's same there, but Kingsbury was making it work. My problem, though, was Arizona's offense was so bad and they weren't establishing any type of a running game. It was contingent on the passing game. I was I was calling him like a little bit better of a version of James White, which, again, isn't bad. It's not a bad thing. It's just it didn't feel like the elite guy, let alone he's held his value. Now you get the injury and all it does for me is it just brings up all of the concerns I've had with him in Kingsbury's offense where he just doesn't quite look right. And frankly, there's some rough patches coming up here. So you're talking about buying low. I'm always interested in stud players buying on the real low, if that exists. I don't think it exists. But they've got the Arizona Cardinals. They've got the Saints coming up, which I think is a little bit of an underrated defense. But they've also got the 49ers defense two of the Twice. next four weeks. And the 40. if you don't watch the 49ers, not trying to be a homer about how much I love them, but if you don't watch them— you have no understanding of how good their defensive line is and how much they're going to attempt to stop the run. So even if he came back, I look at the Cardinals, I don't think he comes back to Week 13. Why bring him back, push him back? You get two 49ers matchups. And it made me laugh because of how good Chase Edmonds looked. And Chase Edmonds, even with David Johnson, looks like a flex option. And all I thought of the minute Chase Edmonds went off was Jake was just a year late on Chase Edmonds. Like last <laughs> year you were so team Chase Edmonds. He looks really good. I don't like that they went and signed a couple. Um, well, I didn't think running. he was going to take. To be clear for everybody out there, I didn't think he was going to take over. It just it was the the legitimate legitimate. This is one of the best handcuffs you can find in all fantasy. And it's, but it it looks like it's worked out pretty well. And he looks better in the offense. I was telling Scott, I was watching a little bit of the game this weekend. It was right when the game started up, and there was a run, and I was like, oh man, David Johnson, look at that cut he just made. That look. Oh, that's Chase Edmonds. That's, that's not Chase David Edmonds. Johnson. That's not David Johnson. I'm not into it. So I don't love You know what? I want to give credit real quick. I want to give credit where credit is due because I scout players for college every single year. You know this. Everybody out there. Well, most, I'm assuming most everybody knows this. I had not what I was mildly interested in Chase Edmonds until I was talking to Emery Hunt, who works for us over the athletic. Love Emery. And he said he said, watch some more film before you come up with your final opinion. And I did. And I, I dug because at the time, I mean, I was tough digging to find some Chase Edmonds at the time. And I did. And that's where Chase Edmonds then after that rocketed up my draft board for coming out of college because of Emory Hunt, who I often refer to a lot of times when it comes about prospects. He was the only person I even remember mentioning, mentioning Tariq Cohen's name. And as being fantasy relevant, period, before he even became fantasy relevant. So I give Emery a ton of credit because I might have missed Chase Edmonds until after the fact, if not having watched more, because I'm only one human. I actually, I, I'll give everybody really? the insight. I ask Emery every single year. I know. You're only one. Whole, yeah, only one. I still I still wish I could do that, like Paul Rudd. That was the, <laughs> like, the thing is, is, I actually I have a list that I usually go through that I work off of, and I build it through the college football season, and I get to January, and I usually end up with about... 150 players, and I send them to Emory, and I say, and they're all skill position. I say, is everybody on this list worth digging in deeper? And is there anybody that's not here that you think I should go watch, especially if it's like from like Monmouth College or something like that? And it's usually around 10, maybe 20 people at the most. But Emory is like, if you want somebody that knows what he knows, he scouted almost 800 players last year. Emory's a ridiculous beast when it comes to it. He totally is. But you know the the and I completely agree. Love Emory. The the Arizona Cardinals situation though, I don't read too much into. I don't care about Zinner and Alfred. Alfred Morris is. Um, I mean, his, I guess he is a volume. No, play. but it's telling for like his availability, right? It is. It's very telling, I think, to the long term outlook of David Johnson. But Chase Edmonds is still the guy. There is a vulture ability that a guy like me bringing a guy like Zach Zenner. There could be a vulture ability. Did you just make a word? I did. You yeah. made a word on my show. I like it. Vulture ability. <laughs> yeah, the vulture ability of Zach Zenner and Alfred Morris is out there. But you know, the the move was already happening with the Cardinals with Chase Edmonds, and like I said before, Chase already looked like. Um, a flex option, 51 carries to 77 carries is the difference between Edmonds and Johnson, but only 13 rushing yards. 
between the two. So if David Johnson does come back, he's going to be able to hold value in the receiving game. But I think Chase continuously, I, I'd see the Cardinals moving to more what the 49ers do with Brita and Tevin Coleman, but they just don't yeah. run as much. So that's a little bit of the problem. You could buy in David Johnson. I think he's a pretty big worry right now. Love Chase Edmonds though. And the more that this goes down with David Johnson, I think the better Chase Edmonds is going to be in this offense. But what do the Cardinals have to play for soon enough? Can you imagine being the Cardinals and playing in that division against the 49ers who are 6-0, and the Rams who apparently don't abide by draft pick um, issues and they just <laughs> trade everything for every single player, and then the Seahawks who theoretically should get worse, they just keep getting better. Yeah. And then there's it's, the Cardinals. It's crazy. Well, you have to worry about their vulnerability. I love that. Do you like that? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm an idiot, so I make up words all the time. That's what idiots That's do. That's terrific. Hey. Speaking, uh, do I have anything? No, I don't. Oh, damn it. I was going to say, speaking of ultra ability, I was hoping I could find one. <laughs> hey, wait, I, I did find one. Screw that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to real. This is how weak. I am tying this together the best I can. I am going to find a way to pull these together. This is a pro. So we have to. No, yeah. Cleveland Browns coming off the bye. I'm not even going to Cleveland Browns with my initial question. I am pulling in the vulture ability to say, <laughs> do you have Kareem Hunt worries? For the vulnerability of Nick Chubb, I found a way to tie it in. I mean, the the vulnerability is relatively high with a guy like Kareem Hunt, but I'm just not going to buy into it. I know that question started coming up, and no, he's getting. I, tell me if I'm wrong. I, I'm. I say five to eight touches a game. He's the backup, like a lot of teams have, and unless Nick Chubb gets hurt, Nick Chubb is not seeding that much to Kareem Hunt. Here's what I do worry about. Okay, this is what I actually worry about with it. I think you're on target here. I think... Pork chop sandwiches! The, oh, okay, we have to do that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I didn't even think about that. Um, that's funny. <laughs> that's actually really, really... I wish people could have heard what I just said and then had the realization <laughs> of what I just realized, and it's I even I just wish really you would funny. stop giving me so much extra work to do after for the show. I apologize. I apologize. But This um, is going to be the most edited show I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> but like I do think you're right. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna just um they're not gonna let Kareem Hunt sent by the side. So he's gonna be out there. Here's my worry though. If Kareem Hunt comes out blazing, even if he gets five or six carries and he's efficient, I don't see any way the Browns aren't going to be able to resist themselves because their offense has been a major question right now. Nick Chubb obviously is an incredible talent, but the NFL has moved to the two back system where offenses would rather move through two backs on almost a full front. The Cleveland Browns have not been that. What I worry is, and, and Kareem Hunt is a pretty extreme talent, if he gets out there and in that short burst he's efficient, they're going to move that from 15 or 5, they're going to move that up to 10 to 12 carries, and it will cut into Nick Chubb. And then you're going to be relying, kind of like the David Johnson thing, you're then relying on him being the absolutely most efficient with the smaller amount of touches that he uh, that he's going to get, and I think it limits the upside. So I think the upside could be cut a little bit off of Nick Chubb. Um, Chubb or Hunt? Chubb. If you could get yeah, tell me top 10 get. running back value for him right now, would you sell? I think I might. Yeah, I think I would. Really? Would you? Well, I mean, I, I, the name is dependent. Yeah, well, obviously it's always dependent. It's always contingent on, you know, what your roster help is and all that type of stuff. But I, I'm holding. I, I think finding somebody like Chubb, I understand that. But here's here's what I'll compare it to. It's the same people that are like, I, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I had this question in my article this week is, should I sell Leonard Fournette because we know the injury is coming? Do we? No, He's no, the, I hate that. He, I hate that narrative. It, I, I would take Fournette, though. He is one of the most injury-prone running backs of recent memory. And yes, Reichel Armstead, if he starts to come in, he, the, the, why, this is why I love stashing Armstead everywhere, is because, yes, Fournette does have a major injury history. And behind Armstead is essentially nobody. They picked up a Zigbo off waivers after he got waived. Like, there's nothing behind Armstead. So the market share, the, the, the volume is there. All that being said, is this is the same argument I have for holding on to Alexander Madison. If you need help elsewhere, is if the person makes it 16 games, you have nothing. So that's where I counter argument here says, well, what if? Like, what if Nick Chubb stays being Nick Chubb? No, you're right. Then, and so I think that I'm holding for. Uh, I okay, don't but let say, me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. Do you think you're more validated in trading off of a player because of potential? Um, the potential loss of touches due to a talented guy behind him that just comes in, or do you think it's better to trade off a player due to the the injuries going to happen? So I'm asking you, who's better to trade off, Nick Chubb because Kareem Hunt's behind him, or Leonard Fournette because he's got hurt in the past? If forced, if I have to trade one, it, it would be Nick Chubb. 
Okay, yeah, I think that's because, where I'm at. Would you trade Nick Chubb for Fournette? Because I think I would rather have Fournette rest of year than Chubb. No, I'd rather have Nick Chubb too. Uh, okay, how about rather. this one? Okay, Austin Eckler. I'd take Nick Chubb. Okay, me too. Because Melvin Gordon. <laughs> Unless Melvin Gordon was gone. And you're a half PPR guy, so you don't think in full point per reception. I mean, I could think of full too, but it's full dome, so, you know, whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> if Melvin Gordon got traded before the deadline, Austin Eckler, I would take him over oh, Nick Chubb. We I saw Austin Eckler as a top five running back. Here's one I'll flip back to you too. And the This all came about because I tweeted earlier and I said I always get a lot of my buy low and sell high ideas from the comments because there are so many about And actually, to go back to the whole, like, how many do I answer? 99% blah. The percentage of people that are asking trade questions is probably like 70%. It's ridiculous. It might even be 80%. But how many it's are just like, what do you think of my trade? That's the one. No, so I don't actually. So for everybody out there that's wondering if I've ever skipped past yours, if you said, what do you think about my trade? I think nothing because it's already done. It doesn't matter what I think because <laughs> no, people I, I, want like, validation, Jake. Exactly. Either I tell you I like it and you're like, OK, good. Or I tell you I don't and I'm a dick and you try to defend yourself. That's and then true. We go down that road. So, like there's no point. You've already done it. Either ask me beforehand or move on. Congratulations. You made a trade. Trades are hard to make. You made it. If you feel good about it, I, you good. Should, here's I'm what glad you should you do. Feel. You should just have a GIF. Um, or just find like a GIF or something. Of like, <laughs> I can't post GIFs in the comments. I oh, wish I could. Oh, you can't. Okay. Or maybe I just have a blanket no. statement. You know, like, you know how like um, people do autographs, but they'll have a stamp and they'll just stamp their autograph. Have a blanket statement where someone's like, what do you think of this trade? And just make it really nonsensical. Just have like a line from a movie. And every time someone asks that, you just paste that into the comment. <laughs> and then eventually people will be like, why does Jake keep citing, you know, the movie Snatch <laughs> every time someone asks about a trade? I don't understand it. <laughs> Well, if I'm saying snatch, I would just put a whole bunch of letters down there that said nothing. So, I mean, yeah. it'd just be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <'cause> the <Cockney. laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to like have subtitles on for that damn movie. Anyway, uh, to go back to it, here's the one. Like, so I said, Alvin Kamara is a sell high right now because what I'm seeing people ask, and really? it's always people. Well, here's why. All the questions have been not, I have Kamara, should I trade him for? It's always been, I'm going to offer blank for Kamara. I'm offering blank this i'm offering blank and i'm shocked at the level of what people are willing to give up from what are they doing? give me a couple uh, so, well that's where i'm going with this oh, so jump ahead of these because drew Brees should be back next week week nine maybe and obviously camara is still top three but similar to your question about nick chubb is getting away from the risk there's no guarantee he's top three there's no guarantee he even gets past dalvin cook saquon barkley ezekiel there's no guarantee he gets back into that top three and obviously christian mccaffrey is number one all that being said is people nick chubb and it's not just Nick Chubb, because I'd do that straight up. I'd trade Nick Chubb for Alvin Kamara straight up in a heartbeat. But Absolutely. it's like it's like Nick Chubb and uh, who is the other? I'm trying to think. Calvin Ridley. Nick Chubb and really? wide receiver two. Nick Chubb and wide receiver two. Nick Chubb and wide receiver two. Nick Chubb and wide receiver two. And a tight end, because I have Mark Andrews, so I can give up Hunter Henry. Like, do these people, people think they're are, buying low? Like, it's, I don't understand that, because that's, that's not buying low. No, it's not. It's actually kind of buying a little bit high. You're buying peak price Camara. Like you're not even getting a discount. So I say all that to your point of being relative. Like, would you trade Nick Chubb? I wouldn't trade. Like, I would trade Nick Chubb straight up. I would trade Nick Chubb and another piece, but it would only be like a wide receiver three, like Marvin Jones ish. Like, like if you're trying Hamilton. to sell high more. Oh yeah, I would do that. Absolutely, I would do that. I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah. I'm um. Like, I'm disappointed in where Kamara has been this year. I mean, the touchdown totals are way down. Um, he's still getting his receptions. I'm, I'm, the overall production is just not remotely close to what I would want, but that doesn't mean I would shy away. But, like, to pay the Calvin Ridley and Nick Chubb price, it, it, what this shouldn't be, because I, I think of Kamara sometimes from a <laughs> dynasty perspective where I'm not trading him. If he's really bad, maybe the adjustment is, this went from I'm not trading him to like, oh, maybe I'll listen, but the cost is super high because I'm just listening now. And people are taking that to redraft, and they're being like, well, I will not trade Kamara under any circumstance. And then he plays bad, and it's like, well, I'll listen to it. Why other people think they need to offer Nick Chubb and Calvin Ridley for Alvin Kamara? The market doesn't the market doesn't work like that. I mean, if you're playing in a 10-team league and you're not starting Calvin Ridley and you got amazing wide receivers, you can make those moves. And sometimes I assume those questions come from that perspective where they're like, well, I'm not even starting Calvin Ridley and I've got Nick Chubb and I'd rather take the risk. I always want the best player in a deal, but you got to make sure that you're not taking away from your team or you're not overpaying the market no. value. Just because this you're... guy is willing to listen now doesn't mean that you should pay that price. Right. I'll give you two examples straight from after I tweeted that. I have two examples of people who mentioned trades in their leagues. Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones for Kamara. 
Are you not taking that duo every time in the 17 times on Sunday? I'll take Aaron Jones this, and Nick Chubb every single time. This one, like, oh, I got Dalvin Cook and Darren Waller for Kamara last week. What? Like, holy crap. Like, play in my leagues. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, have to bend over backwards to get one trade done, and these people are getting bowled over with, uh, wow. Dude, if you See? if you were taking, not to turn this, but, like, if you were looking at all the positions, and you know, quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, running back, and you were building the consistency, and you said, "All right, I want the top five most consistent players." Doesn't matter. I don't have to pick five at each position, but just the most five. Dalvin Cook and Darren Waller are on the top five <laughs> of most consistent across the board. Darren yeah. Waller is so consistent at tight end; he's so good. And Dalvin Cook, besides Christian McCaffrey, is the best guy out there right now. I he, mean, it's crazy. You, I would take Dalvin Cook over Kamara the rest of the season. Absolutely, I would too. I don't even have to. You know, think about that. That's an easy one. But what about his injury history, Chris? I don't care. I, I mean, I care less about that than any other human being on the planet. Like, I just, I will, you'll never see me, like, and that's where uh, Bogman and I are just polar opposites, where Bogman will live with that a lot. And he'll be like, well, you know, this guy with the injury history, he gives everybody a pass except for Leonard Fournette. I don't, I can't live in that world because I can't have that predictor. Like, sure, in baseball, it's easier because there's a guy that just every single season does that. And Leonard Fournette is fun to have those considerations. I can't live in that world. I don't live in that world. Like, Jay Carlos Stan, you would would call him injury prone at this point, right? He's just injure. He's just in. I don't even need to put a D on. He's just injure. That's what he is. It's just Giancarlo Stanton, comma, I-L. Yeah. Like, that's just his name. You change his name for a third time and just say injure, injure Stanton. What is that in Roman numerals, I-L? Is that anything? Um, or is it, what is it L? Have, is it would it have L-50? to be L-I. Is L-50? Yeah, it would, be, it would have to be L-I. Yeah, so. 51. It's dyslexic 51. Yeah. Yeah, but that like one one five. What? No, but that would be X-V-15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good thing we figured that out. The good thing we're talking Roman numerals on this show. This is what you tune in for. This is what, oh, the goodness of this show is Roman numeral breakdowns, and somebody's probably going to. I get there's going to be somebody out there to tweet. Well, actually, so well, you know. What is the Roman numeral of this episode? What episode is this? I don't know. I'd have to go look. I have to double check. Okay. I actually, I don't, I don't put the episode numbers. I just call it. This will be week eight because I do one a week. Okay. Well, good for you. It's week X. Am I missing something? Like you're the podcasting king. Am I missing something by not episoding? No, it's 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 pretty. It's it's kind of tropey to be honest with you. Like nobody needs it. But here's the thing, though. Like when you have guests and you have like raining topics like that, like you could just say week eight or guest blah blah blah. You don't need to do episode. I still do it because you know Scott and I've been doing our stuff for almost six years now, and we did it in the beginning, so I still do it. You are you are an episode seventy four, my friend. Okay. So God, what is that? What is that in Roman numerals? Uh, L X X X one one I V I V, yeah. Oh, yeah, seven, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, see, I'm dumb, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I'm dumb. That was just, I'm dumb. <laughs> <sighs> can we talk? We got to talk two more things before we get out. Let's we can it. quick hit these ones. Right, another trade. This is a new trade to the Patriots. People don't know what to make of this. Well, I, surprise. How Patriots, many whiteouts uh-huh. do they need? How many whiteouts do 75? they need? 75. I mean, really? Or I guess LXXV wide receivers? <laughs> you know what was the most shocking to me? It wasn't even that they did this because it's like classic Patriots move. I was shocked at the price or the market value on wide receivers because I've been railing about like every safety is a first round pick and running backs are like fifth round picks. And the Patriots gave up a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu and the Niners gave up a third round for Emmanuel Sanders. I just didn't know the market was still doing that. And I was really surprised that the Patriots would give up a second round pick for him. Hold on. I'm going to take it further because I agree with you. Let's take it further to the fact of two things. One is that's the same price they were willing to pay in the preseason. That's true. So poor owner. Like you, you would say a fantasy owner is being stupid if you saw that because they're not even buying low. They were offering what they were offering in the preseason. So, but think they were one. probably doing that before they had acquired. They were doing it before they acquired Antonio Brown, and then they New got Jack Antonio Quinn Brown. So I guess yeah, they just saw, they saw the need. I what? Here's the second one. They only give up a fourth for Randy Boss, like <sighs> for comparison's sake. Where were those like, years? What are, what are the top five wide receivers of all time? You gave up a fourth, and you're giving up a second. And didn't for they, get, didn't they give up like a six for Josh Gordon? 
Uh, I would guess. I think it's somewhere around that. Yeah, I saw a lot of people being like, oh, "Josh Gordon's going to be. He's going to be the one that uh, is out in the rotation for the Patriots." Like, no, he's not. Why would that happen? No, he's going to bump Philip Dorsett. Well, so that's the question. So you can answer it is because as of right now, this is how I see it. Philip Dorsett still plays outside. Julian Edelman still moves all over the damn field. Mm-hmm. Sanu is in the slot, but I'm. Te- I, I, I don't know, honestly, how I feel about it because on the one hand, I'm like, well, Sanu's floor, and he was a boring, fine wide receiver floor, sometimes wide receiver three, because he was on the field all the damn time in Atlanta because he's one of the best blocking wide receivers in the game. And there was a report before the season even started from the guy at The Athletic that covers the Falcons that even said, he's coming off the field less than Julio Jones. And we saw the snap counts. He was on the field all the time. If they're break, and I I know they run a lot of three wide this year, that being the Patriots, but if you're telling me somebody's coming off the field. I don't think it's going to be Edelman. And then if you're talking about outside wide receiver, you're not pushing Sanu outside. So is he staying on the field? And then if Josh Gordon comes back, like, but they get on the flip side, they gave up a second, which makes me say like, they want him out there all the time. Like I don't, I really don't, that's the Patriots. What a surprise. We can't figure them out. I don't think when, yeah. And, and I think they're built on rotations. The wide, the wide receivers haven't been that much different than like the running back. They'll go with the hot hand. Right. Brady loves Gordon. Loves Gordon, biggest playmaker on here. What I love about Sanu is Sanu is like a a bigger, like a bigger, more athletic possession version of like a Julian Edelman. Like they're not the same guy because Julian's completely different. But like the catch rate Mohamed Sanu rocks with is exactly what the Patriots would want. You throw him the ball, he's going to get it. But you don't need volume. It isn't like. Atlanta, and I don't think it's going to be anything close to that. This is a classic Patriots situation where everybody eats into each other. Will Sanu have a week? Yes, Brady always does that. But will he maybe just be more consistent to three, four catches a game? Edelman gets his seven to eight. Gordon gets his four with one big play, and Dorsett comes in with a couple. Yeah, it's a possibility. All of these guys continue to me to hurt a guy like James White and what his role has been. But I don't think he has the upside of what he did in Atlanta. I just think he's another cog in this situation. And I don't think Josh Gordon is done, though. I just think it makes everybody a little bit more dicey than Julian Edelman. Yeah, I, I think it's it definitely just adds more uncertainty. And the worst part about it is it's it's basically why their entire team is by committee. Like yeah. the only person that seems to be locked in is Edelman. And and I think the like. team the team anticipates, you know, speaking of like I can't worry about injuries, the team anticipates how banged up they get. They anticipate the depth that they need. There's gonna be weeks you bring in a guy like Mohamed Sanu because there's gonna be weeks where they need to bring off of Julian Edelman. You might have an inactive week of a Josh Gordon. Philip Dorsett has been banged up. They and yeah. obviously the tight end situation has been a disaster. No shock that they were out there trying to acquire a guy like OJ Howard because they want all the targets they can possibly get. They <laughs> Need there, guys to separate we the got, field. We, there's your rotoware shirt idea. We should we should reach out to Kenny. He could, like it doesn't matter what your role is. That's that's the Patriots mono. And it, you have to do like <laughs> Bill Belichick doesn't doing matter what your name is. And then Bill Belichick yeah. has a microphone like The Rock. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. He's like it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Either that or by committee and just have like a guy with 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 a guy but standing behind him like oh, that I type like of thing that. it could be like you know the evolution of man where it like comes up you know that image Ooh! where it like continuously goes yeah, up and it just goes go. up into Belichick oh there you go interesting that's not free I'll, I'll pitch those to Kenny and we'll, we'll find out we'll see which one he likes alright last one we get uh, hey look Hey, I, I, I changed that there's gonna be one more question slid in here for you Okay. well I'll let you answer slide on in I'll let you J. Plem 1975. I'm guessing that's when you were born. Joshua Plemons calling you out on Twitter because guess what? Chris mm-hmm. is going to answer your question for you because we were talking Nick Chubb. PPR, would you trade DeAndre Hopkins for Nick Chubb? I say no. Ooh, you say no. Yep. That one, this one hurts me a little bit because this is tough. I have to. Oh man! I have to assume you need running back more than wide receiver. But let's say you don't. Let's say it's well. Just say they play the flex. Obviously, it's not going to be the case because you're not that type of deep unless you're in a four team league. But if everything else being equal, the vacuum, the vacuum, when there's no air escaping, they're both dead. Which one? Yeah, I'm not going to do it. You're right about that. I tend to always lean on having a heavy dose of running backs, and I don't. So do I. I don't want. I don't want my decision to be made because like, oh, Kareem Hunt's coming back. But I think there's a little bit of worry with, and I think there's a desperation yes. Cleveland feels in their offense to adjust things. And having just one more playmaker, I think, is enough for them 
to adjust where it could just be a little bit less to chub. And maybe I make it I'll make it less about trying to go through that narrative to say DeAndre Hopkins just looks right again. 12 targets in both of his last two games, nine catches. The ball seems to be flying a little bit, and I'd say this is a pretty good end of the season. I mean, the fantasy playoff, if you don't go to Week 17, you've got Denver, Tennessee, and Tampa. I mean, I'm going to take DeAndre Hopkins. There's a safety net to that. No, everybody listening to this show does not go to Week 17 because they are smart. They are not stupid. I just make sure. Like, I always talk in what I do, but people – I mean people – like when I'm like, okay, look, podcast no, done. Week sixteen for you. Yeah, well, it's a lot of stupid <laughs> listeners. But like the amount of people that are like, oh, what about week seventeen? I'm like, why would you play into week seventeen? Do you want to start Zach Zinner on your offense, even though you might be doing it this no. week in week eight? <laughs> You're an idiot. All right. So speaking of that team, gosh, idiot. I only watched that the once. Food. I don't even watch it that much. Yeah. Oh really? All right. Yeah, and I wasn't a big fan. Great watched movie. it once. Mm. Yeah. So last one. Speaking of this team, Kenny Stills. I, who I think is the better, more well-handed version of Will Fuller. And I'm kind of happy for people that they don't have to, you know, suffer through starting Will Fuller and cru- screwing themselves over starting Will Fuller. On the flip side, I do kind of miss the ones that were in my league and going against when they would try to start Will Fuller outside of his one amazing week. Remember that but, thing I said about you can't predict injuries? He's the exception to the rule. <laughs> he's, he's, like, he's, you know he's going to get hurt. Will Fuller, there you go, IL instead of IV. Or wait, is he the fifth? I forget. He's, that's another, he's, oh, he's a Roman Fuller, numeral guy, yeah. Like, yeah, he's a Roman numeral guy. He's a guy. four, isn't he an IV? I think so. So we just stretch that's the V down to an L? Yeah. That's a Rotowire shirt. Go. Rotowire. Just tilt it over. That is a Rotowire. Uh, Not Rotowire, but Rotowire. Rotowire? I don't have a Rotowire shirt. I don't have any. I don't think. I don't think they like me. Like I've tweeted. I've had fun. We had um, when uh, the Fall Stars is out here. I tweeted. Talking? I'm going to write these down. Will Fuller. Go, keep going. Yeah. When uh, Fall Stars is out here, my boy, uh, my boy Rob Silver. We had this picture of him in front of a fire. He looked so great, and I was like, "Hey, Rotowire, this is a great shirt." I've done it a couple times. I don't think they like me. I've literally. <laughs> they respond to any human being that can be like, "Oh, I want this," and they're like, "Hey, check out this shirt." The amount of times I've tweeted at them and I've gotten literally no response, I'm just pretty sure I've done something to offend them. So that's a shirt. <laughs> they do a great job, I, though. I think it's, it's, it, look, it doesn't. So it doesn't surprise me that like I doesn't respond them? to everybody, oh. but it does res- surprise me because it's only one person. It's Kenny, and Kenny's like a super nice guy. Yeah, but it's me, Jake. You said I was a big deal. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, just, I get it. We're just right. connecting the tea leaves here. What was your question, so, Kenny Stills? I don't know, but I guess Will Fuller, we could also throw out something like, you know, catching more L's, was it catching more L's or catching more L's or taking more L's or whatever like that, because I-L, something like that. I don't yeah. know. I think we've Kenny's, come up with Kenny's better at it. Are we designing yeah. shirts? Is that what we're doing on the back half of the Is this what we do on the end of the show? <laughs> I mean, I've got my, I've my, I got my check the link and band kickers t-shirt, so that's, I'm done. I, I've already made mine. So <laughs> I'm on from there. I would think, we were talking about Kenny Snills. Snills, Stills, go on. We need to end this damn show. So... <laughs> Get your shirt at Rotowire while we talk about Kenny Snills. <laughs> uh, oh, this is good. I'm just gonna, you know what it is. I'm just gonna put GI Joe PSAs, the mock ones, at the end of the show. <laughs> just I like it. To forget the rest of this conversation. I'm a computer. All right. So, <laughs> Kenny Stills is he wide receiver three this week? Is he wide receiver two? DeAndre Hopkins. We'll go back to your point. Now that Will Fuller is gone and Kiki QT is forced into this lineup, which I think brings more balance to this team. Is he back in the number one wide receiver conversation? Like, what do you think the Will Fuller injury does? That's the that's the real question. I do think um, this this moves Kenny Stills into. I think he's we're a wide receiver two this week. I love the matchup against Oakland. Um, I love that. You know, he was able to have the big breakout game. Kenny still, it's like you said before, Kenny Stills is like a version of Will Fuller, just maybe a little bit more trustable. I mean, Will Fuller is an absolute breakout guy. Like, if there's a guy that can break open a game, it's old school Deshaun Jackson. That was Will Fuller. But Kenny Stills, I think, kind of completes the team a little bit more. I love the idea that he can knock in seven to eight targets a game, and if he can bring down six balls, we're probably looking at 80-plus yards, and I think we can't discount the idea that he's going to be a touchdown magnet for this team, especially if the defenses are going to be focused on DeAndre Hopkins, who it still doesn't matter. He gets his run. But this is this is a great matchup this week against Oakland, so I really, really like it, and I like the back half of the year. I'm Kenny Stills was at the top of my waiver wire this week. He's a guy I'd want to buy in on, and I think uh, I'd be curious to see what the Fantasy Pros ranks look like 
Uh, we'll probably review it on ITL because I'd be curious to see where Kenny Stills is, but I think he deservedly should be in the top 24 this week. Am I off? Uh, I can tell you where my, let's see, let's where'd check the link him? while we're on the show. Man, Hashtag check him? the link. Hashtag live. Buy the shirt. Check the link. Check the, check the link, buy the shirt. Uh, initially, so for everybody out there, uh, two things is, it, if you don't know, I run the first waivers, or first wave, first projections. So God, I need to take a nap. What is wrong uh, with you? Did you not sleep today? I, I have a cold. I legitimately do have a cold. Oh, okay. I, I've been trying, like, I've been off to the side kind of... Like I, I can't breathe yeah, clearly. Jake so has a- this thing. If people don't know, uh, we always we've because we've been friends for a while now. And I remember the first time we did a podcast together, you did this, and I was like, "Oh boy, I don't know how this is gonna go." But then I just understood this is you. No one sounds like they hate you more and is more depressed than Jake Seeley as soon as you get on before a podcast. Every single time <laughs> I get on, and Jake's like, "Hey." What's uh yeah okay we'll get started here in a second and then we get on and we have the best time and we'll text after and we have the time you are just so you sound so miserable every time we do a podcast before <laughs> it starts I would have never known that you weren't feeling good but now I know you're not feeling good because you're calling him Kenny Snails. <laughs> the funny thing is you asked about the D'Angelo Williams podcast before we came on and last week the same thing like I don't know what it is I just I'm ready to go I think maybe that's what it is or Does, is D'Angelo <laughs> upset with you sometimes no, when you go no on? he asked that last week he's like what's wrong Jake. I'm like nothing. I'm good. Like I just of course I don't know. I, I you get I, on, dude. I, this is my impression of Jake Seeley because <laughs> uh, Jake texts me earlier today. He's like, "Hey, you want to come on today?" I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely. You're my boy." And I I ditched out on the last one. I apologize. I get on. I'm like, "Jake, what's up, buddy?" Hey, oh uh, yeah, <laughs> just, you check your microphone. Hey, I'm like, oh, "Okay, uh, are we gonna talk about this stuff." Yeah, I'll do a little bit of podcast. I like that. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't come that bad. On. I'm just being stupid. Uh, so what were right. we looking at? We're, we've derailed here. You were looking oh, at Kenny, Kenny Stills. Kenny oh, the ranks. Stills. Where does he rank this week? And where did so, you rank yeah, him? initial projections. Haven't even run through them a second time yet. Uh, initially, he came out as wide receiver 33. Eh, okay. I mean, wide receiver three. Feels, I like him higher. Feels, yeah, I could say it feels a tad low. Well, in front of him, Auden Tate, Terry McLaurin, Adam Thielen, D.D. Westbrook, Metcalf, Marvin well, Jones, out. DJ Moore. Thielen's officially out. Yeah, so. Thielen's obviously, well, again, first run, so there he goes. That, yeah. And I, would, I was going to come back to that and say, even if he was playing, I had already mentioned the fact that I think he could be a decoy, and that's why he was 30, because he has top 10 upside, but all it I think I'm, now. I think I'm comfortable with Stills over um, McLaurin and Tate right now. I think it's close. You know, so I'm, I'm if I'm just trying to like make my argument, I could probably get to close to 24, but I think the, the idea is... Well, he's in front of Tyler Boyd, because Auden Tate's their number one. I think the consensus is probably a high wide receiver three if you needed to, low wide receiver two. None of that necessarily matters outside of Kenny Stills as a start this week. I'm really excited to see where yes. he is in this offense, and I think I totally agree with you on the idea that this offense is more balanced. They need to continue passing, and Kenny Stills does a lot for this offense. And against Oakland, this should be a pass-heavy game, so I really like him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just, yeah, no, Irma Gerd. Tyrell Williams returned to practice, but as we're closing up this show, Josh Jacobs was sidelined for practice. I don't, don't like do that. this to me. Don't do that. Please. Don't do this. I to have me. him in my guillotine. He is a very important piece of my guillotine league. So. <sighs> I love Josh Jacobs so much. Please don't do this. Yeah. Oh He's like Joe Adele, like we said earlier. My Joe Adele interview is like Josh Jacobs of baseball. There you go. Well, hopefully it doesn't get hurt. Are you going to listen to it? Are you going to listen to my interview? <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, tell everybody where they can and why they should and where to follow you and all that good stuff. All right. Well, I'm in a lot of places. I'm talking a lot of baseball right now. Um, I don't even know if we want to say all the places, but you can follow me on Twitter at is at the Welsh. My, my personal stuff that I own that is in this league, I do the In This League Fantasy Football Podcast with Scott Bogman. I do the Fantasy Basketball Podcast with Scott Bogman. Um, I've got Prospect One, which is dedicated to talking about fantasy baseball prospects. I have a top 500 list. We have a Patreon, which we've had for multiple years, and there's like 350 people on it. But I've got a top 500 list, and I've dedicated my offseason to getting people prepped for baseball with Prospect One. Tons of interviews of baseball prospects if you want to listen to those. Bogman and I cover all the sports. I do other shows. we got our show, uh, The Fantasy Black Book with Joe Pizapia on fan tracks, and I'm in a couple other spots, so... There's no shortage of content. We like to have fun, just like Jake does. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Is It the Welsh, and search in this league anywhere that podcasts are, and you will find our stuff. Please do, as you can tell, one of the best, especially comes to prospects and everything. So if you're not following him and you do like baseball, if you like football, hey, as you can tell, can yeah. talk everything. Yeah, Bogman's kind of our prospect guy, but there's no joke. Jake literally does. He will text me or tweet me when pro- baseball prospects come up, and I'm always glad to help. Yeah, I'm always glad to have him on. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks, buddy.
And before we get out of here, as a reminder, always for you guys, I'd love to give you some DFS preview, sneak preview. They have Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast with myself, Chris Meany, and Joe Holka out on Friday mornings for you guys. But as a sneak preview for that, if you're listening to this and maybe you're too busy Friday mornings, I don't know. But in any case, I go to Fanshare Sports. A lot of people ask me this. This is what I always bring it up every single week on this podcast. So hopefully you're listening and you don't have to keep asking me. But where I get the projected ownership is FanshareSports.com. And like I said, they let me do a discount code for you guys. All in kid. Get you 20% off because it's just a great site. A great dude. Met him in person. Nothing great for me. Just, hey, share it for you so you can share it with everybody else. So in any case, two of the guys I'm looking at already for this week is one going against the Giants, and no, it is not Ty Johnson, because everybody is on Ty Johnson right number right now. He was number one in projected ownership. No surprise giving the price, and no surprise going against the Giants, but let's remember that J.D. McKissick is involved quite a bit if the Giants somehow force this game into a high-scoring affair, and this is a pass-heavy game. McKissick could be out there. Ah, hell, McKissick could be involved more than we expect. It could be a Patriots-James White type of situation. It is Matt Patricia. We don't know. All I'm saying is if you're going to give me J.D. McKissick as the 83rd highest projected ownership and Ty Johnson as the number one, I am going to pivot to J.D. McKissick. So that's one you could be looking at at wide receiver for you guys. There's another one I'm looking at, and you know what? I get it. I get the concern. I get the hesitation. But I got to tell you, when similar to this, also tied for 83rd in projected ownership, his price has dropped. It's dropped to 6500 and 7400 Doesn't sound like a very big price for the talent involved when you're talking about Odell Beckham Jr. And yes, he is facing Stephon Gilmore. He is facing the Patriots defense. However, if you're going to give me Odell Beckham Jr. at that price and at that low of ownership, I will take the chance on Odell Beckham Jr. in a few tournaments because we've seen times before all the way, like talent will win out at times. So in any case, like I said, fansharesports.com. That's where I get these projected ownerships. These are guys we're going to be talking about probably on the DFS show as well as a lot more. And I will have another guest next week, Chris Harris of Harris Football, one of the best in the business. That is the guest next week to get you guys ready for week nine. So good luck in week eight. Love you guys. Talk to you next week.